Galatians 6.14, Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been singing about the cross, two arms outstretched to save. And Christ who died upon the cross. But this Sunday is known as Palm Sunday. In Zechariah chapter 9, we read from verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And probably that prophecy will be read in many, many churches throughout the world today in preparation for Holy Week, as it is called. But they won't go on and read the rest of that chapter which gives the picture of Christ's second coming, the second advent, when he will come to save the Jews and bring his kingdom in in peace. Before that we'll have the rapture of the church and then they will be seen. If you look, the Lord of hosts shall defend them and shall devour and subdue with sling stones and they shall drink and make a noise as through wine and they shall be filled like bowls, and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day, as the flock of his people, and for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon the land. And how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young men cheerful, and new wine the maids. The Lord will come and save his people, Israel, when Everybody will be against them. There'll be nobody for Israel in those days. But the Lord will come and defend them and set up his millennium kingdom here on earth. But it was fulfilled, the first part of that prophecy, by Jesus riding into Jerusalem upon an ass. What a wonderful entrance he made. But yet, ride on in lowly pomp, ride on to die. And as we said, the crowds who were cheering and shouting Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, a few days later, were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It always saddens me that this time of the year, which is known as Easter, is called after a pagan god. Incredible that the most exciting event in history has been named after a pagan god. It's around the same time that Passover and we will have the seven days then of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The first day it says in, in Exodus twelve sixteen, In the first day shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day shall be a holy convocation to you. 
No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for this is in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations for an ordinance forever. And the Jews still have their Passover. And I was reading a little bit about the preparations they make for Passover last night, and it just reminded me how careful and how meticulous they are in getting ready for Passover. They get rid of all the leaven out of the house. No leaven, nothing to do with leaven can be kept in the house, and they sweep out their cupboards and uh, their shelves and get all the crumbs of leaven out of the way. And I was thinking as we come before the Lord in the breaking of bread, it's a picture for us that we should examine ourselves, get rid of the leaven in our lives. As these people are so meticulous about the practical things to do with the Passover. And the Passover meal. But it all was pointing to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who was going to come and to die upon the cross of Calvary. And it is the cross that I wanted just to concentrate on for a few moments this morning. I know maybe you expected me to speak about uh, Palm Sunday, but we're not going to be here next week, unfortunately, so we want to look forward to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The gospel, Paul says, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power, the dynamite of God. The preaching of the cross to the world is foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.23 But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, an offense to say that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one sent by God, and unto the Greeks foolishness. And the offense, when you apply to what happened to Jesus Christ, whose person and whose life was so contrary to the expectations of the Jews concerning what they thought the Messiah was going to do. It's an offense. So we shouldn't be surprised when people react when we start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. People won't react if you talk about God. Because God, to them, is what they consider to be their God. Everybody believes in God. The Roman Catholics say that Allah is the same God as the God of the Bible. So you have no problems then talking to a Muslim about God or talking to a Roman Catholic about God because their catechism says it's the same. He's the same one who's going to judge all men at the last day. Allah and God are the same. But when you start talking about Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world, then you will cause offense. So we shouldn't be surprised 
when people are offended when you speak about the Lord Jesus Christ the cross is the center of our of our faith the cross of Christ and that's why Paul was able to say God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ there were three crosses erected on Calvary that day the day that Jesus was crucified two malefactors on either, on either side one and Jesus in the midst the person on the center cross that we want to think about for a few moments this morning the son of God who is this man on the cross it is Jesus of Nazareth this is Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews the Jews tried to have that changed but Pilate said what I have written I have written the king of the Jews he went about doing good the one who cleansed the leper he healed the sick he gave sight to the blind he raised the dead he was the one who called young children to him as we saw a few weeks ago lifted them up in his arms and he blessed them he was the one who whispered daughter be of good comfort thy faith hath made thee whole to the woman who had crept up behind and touched the hem of his garment and she came in fear and trembling he said daughter be of good comfort and he healed her he's the one who spoke such words of hope to the, the man who was sick of the palsy son he said be of good cheer cheer be of good cheer thy sins are forgiven thee the only one who could forgive sins and to show to the people around him he healed them to the woman who had been caught in adultery who had been dragged in front of Jesus by a screaming bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees and he turned to her and said neither do I condemn thee go in peace and sin no more his whole object in life his sole object in life was to please God his heavenly father he was a gentle, kind, and loving man. He was a man approved of God. Three times, God broke through the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And now, he's been crucified as a criminal on a cross how does this event show what the world and what man thinks of the Lord Jesus Christ the world is against 
the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it say in James? James 4.4 4, Ye adulterers, adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world, friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. It's frightening. If we want to be friends with the world, then we are enemies of God. The crowd, the world, cried, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to reign over us. That's what the world thinks of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's been a lot of talk about this latest film showing in bloody detail the physical sufferings of Jesus Christ. I don't approve of that film in any way. But if Christ were to come again in the same manner as he came the first time, the world would still have the same attitude to him as it had when they crucified him upon the cross I know you'd say that the world's improved the world's got better we've become more humane we've become more sensitive we're more civilized no not a bit of it you think of what has happened in our lifetime the massacre of the Jews in Germany more recently, what happened in Rwanda and places like that. The name of Christ is only a swear word to most people. Look at the laws being introduced, which are totally against God. Look at the condition of our youth in the cities at night time. Brawling, fighting, cursing. Look at the genocide throughout the world in our lifetime and still going on. Look what happened just a few days ago. In Iraq, that mob dismembering people, dragging them through the streets. Look at the apostasy in our churches. Godless leaders cohabiting with the enemies of God. No, man, man has not changed. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The thoughts and imaginations of man's heart are only evil continually. Not just now and again. Continually. That's what Bibles, the Bible says about man and the world. And this world is under judgment. The world is stained with the murder of the Son of God. The judgment of God will come on this world and upon all who reject Jesus Christ as God's Son. The Bible tells us that God is ready to judge, ready to judge. Those who walk in, and this is what it says, in lasciviousness, lusts, Excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. 
That sums up the world today. That's the way the world is. Lascivious, lustful, excesses of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. There's idolatry in our churches. All those who accept this film, The Passion of Christ, are yielding to idolatry. Thou shalt not make to thyself any graven image, nor the likeness of anything that is in heaven above. We cannot portray Jesus Christ on film in any way. He is God. How can man portray God by acting? We can't do it. So we see, first of all, as we look at the cross, all the hostility and the sinfulness of man reflected in what he did to the Lord Jesus Christ by crucifying him upon a cross. They preferred Barabbas than Jesus Christ, a murderer. Secondly, when we look at the cross, we see it as an expression of God's love. What a wonderful expression of God's love. At the cross we see the meeting of man's hostility to God and God's love for man. Horrible, filthy, sinful man and the wonderful, abundant grace of God. Meet at Calvary. Man displayed at Calvary all his sinfulness and hostility against the Son of God. And God displayed all his wondrous love for sinful man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here at the cross God opened his heart of love to sinful man. Isn't that wonderful? God opened his heart of love to sinful man and put it into action. You see, the Bible says you shouldn't just love somebody. You should show it by your actions. And Jesus said to his disciples, how the old, the old condition was love your neighbor as yourself. But he says, love as I have loved you. And he put his love into action. He loved you and me so much that he gave his life for you and for me. And that's the standard he sets of love that we have to have for one another. Love until it hurts us. He opened his heart of love. Our Savior triumphed over sin and death and the grave and through his death. Sinful, rebellious, judgment-deserving man may have life through his death. 
through his resurrection and receive eternal life. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them his death was a victory oh to the, the to the pharisees and the romans looking on they thought this was the end this was a disaster but it was a victory over sin and death and principalities and powers the unseen world he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Our blessed Saviour took upon him the form of sinful man, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. What a wonderful Saviour, what a wonderful person this man who died upon that cross he's our saviour and so as we look at Jesus on the cross we see man's hostility to God and we see God's great love to man is it any wonder then that Paul said God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world that's how he ended up his epistle to the Galatians see the Galatians were seeking to try and live their lives in the light of the gospel but also by adding unto it trying to keep the law bits of the law they kept trying to shove in Paul throughout Galatians the whole theme is to show that it is only through the cross of Jesus Christ that we can be right with God and we're going to look at a few verses here and there in Galatians and what I suggest for you when you go home I, I stopped after two or three but there are lots of verses in Galatians Paul goes through and he counts his blessings through Galatians coming to his final conclusion at the end God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ look at Galatians 1 and verse 4 right at the very start he says who, and he's going back to verse 3, you see who he's talking about, he's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, it says in verse 3, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, what does it say, gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father. 
That was one of the first things he says in this letter. The first thing that made him boast only in the cross. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, gave himself for our sins. Because of Christ's death. You know, this, this struck me last night when I was thinking about this. Because of Christ's death, you and I as Christians are not of this world. If we are of this world, as I said earlier on, we're enemies of Christ. We're not of this world. John 17, verse 14, Jesus praying to his Father said, I have given them thy word. He's talking about you because, and he's talking about, he was talking initially about his disciples around him, but he says later on, I'm not only praying for these people, I'm praying for those who will come later. You and me. And here's what he says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Jesus wasn't of this world. You and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, have been adopted into the family of God. We are not of this world. How? Because, Paul says, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. We are now a heavenly people. Ephesians 2.5 Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together in Christ, with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is our position in Christ. Seated with him together in heavenly places. We are separate from this evil world. We should live our lives in the light of that truth. Do we? Because if we wish to be friends with this world, we are enemies of God. That was the first thing he said. Let's look for another one. Uh, Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. All my sins were laid upon Christ. He bore the punishment of those sins for me. The song, we don't sing it here, My sins were a burden too heavy to bear, but Jesus took pity on me. He bore them away in his infinite love and buried them all in the sea. Now they are gone, gone evermore, into the deep and far from the shore. No more remembered, hidden each one. Oh, how I praise him, my sins are all gone. Isn't that wonderful? Buried my sins in the depths of the deepest sea. He's put them behind his back. And God doesn't have a shadow caused by turning. He doesn't look behind his back. Your sins and iniquities 
will I remember no more. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My sins were laid on Jesus Christ. He bore the penalty and the judgment and the wrath of God which was due to me. And now I am in Christ, seated with him in the heavenlies. We live and have our life through Christ. He holds us together. You can find a lot more of these. We'll go for, no, one, just do one more. But I, I, 3.13. 3.13. And when it says there, I have been crucified with Christ, I have been identified with Christ, I should be dead to the world. Dead to the world. <laughs> I told you a story many a time. I was driving along the car with a lovely old chap who, who, who was a great youth worker. And one of our friends walked out in front of the car in the middle of Dublin, just a chap we happened to know. And I said, look at John now, he's dead to the world. And he said to me, and that's the way we should be. Dead to the world. That's the way we should be. 3.13. Christ, uh, yes, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Oh yes, there was a death sentence hanging over me. Because the law said, the soul that sinneth, it must die. I had a death sentence. You had a death sentence hanging over you. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, and the wrath of God abideth upon him. Before we come to Christ for forgiveness, we have the wrath of God upon us, resting on us. But when we come to Christ, he bore the curse and the agony of the cross. Cursed is any man that hangeth on, hangeth on a tree, Scripture says. We were under the curse of the law. There was no escape. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars laid could give the guilty conscience peace or wipe away its stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, takes all our guilt away, a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars laid could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. It's only through Christ's death, the Lamb of God, that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus took my place. You see, he was talking to these Galatians, don't forget, and they were bringing in bits of the law. They were Judaizers. Trusting in keeping parts of the law together with trying to marry that in with salvation. Paul was constantly defeating their arguments all the way through the book of Galatians. Paul points out that we are solely dependent on the grace of God for our salvation. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. 
Sin hath left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We won't go on any further. But look, go home and read other. Look at I'm not going to do these. But he says, here's another one. Galatians 4 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Adopted into the family of God. Why? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. 5 1. Stand ye therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ had, hath made us free. We have been given the liberty of freedom in Christ Jesus. Freedom from the law. We are saved now by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. And that is why we are here this morning to remember Jesus Christ who died upon the cross.